0: Ten powerful plagues take place in the next five chapters. Through them, the Lord will first judge the Egyptians for their cruel treatment of Israel all these years. Second, he will rescue Israel. And third, he will show Egypt and Israel that he is the Lord, Yahweh. For the Egyptians, this means they will know his power. For the Israelites, they will know his love. Some of these plagues seem strange to us as Westerners living in the 21st century. Frogs, gnats, locusts. But these all had to do with their gods, had to do with what they worshipped. The first plague, for example, the Nile turning to blood. The Nile was not just a river to them. Without the Nile, Egypt does not exist It was, from an earthly perspective, the source of their life. They depended on it for drinking water and depended on its annual flooding for their crops. So they worshipped it. The God of the Nile, the God of water and life, was one of their many gods. So by showing his power over nature, the Lord was demonstrating all those gods were not real. He was the only true God. That is a pattern we will see throughout these plagues. The goddess of childbirth was portrayed in Egyptian artwork as a frog. The goddess of the sky as a cow. And then there were all kinds of deities connected with the sun. So the plagues of frogs and livestock sickness and darkness were direct attacks on these false gods. No wonder Moses' father-in-law Jethro says after the plagues, Now I know that Yahweh, the Lord, is greater than all other gods. There's a symmetry to the arrangement of the plagues. There are three groups of three. Blood, frogs, gnats. Flies, sick livestock, boils. Hail, locusts, and darkness. In each group, the first two are announced to Pharaoh. He's told what's going to happen. The third in each of those groups happens without any warning. The tenth plague is outside of the pattern and is the final judgment. The words every, all, and whole are used throughout these chapters. What was it like when all the dust turned to gnats? When the hail stripped every tree of leaves and fruit? When the locusts ate everything left by the hail, so that nothing green remained. Finally, there—excuse <laughs> me—there there is a progression in these plagues, from damage and disease to darkness and death. In this podcast, we will consider plagues two through five. Frogs, gnats, flies, and sick livestock. But first, let's begin with a prayer. We sing the almighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. We sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey. We sing the goodness of the Lord that filled the earth with food. He formed the creatures with his word and then pronounced them good. Lord, how your wonders are displayed where'er we turn our eyes. If we survey the ground we tread, or gaze upon the skies. There's not a plant or flower below, but makes your glories known. And clouds arise and tempests blow by order from your throne. While all that borrows life from you is ever in your care, and everywhere that we can be sure, You, God, are present there. Amen. The Egyptians worshipped creation and created things. Now in the plagues, creation seems to be coming undone. In the beginning, in creation, God declared swarms of living things good. Now the swarm of frogs is anything but good. It is very bad. Chapter 7. Verse 25. Seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile. Remember, that was in our podcast last week, the first plague. Chapter 8, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says Let my people go, so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. The Nile will team with frogs they will come up into your palace and your bedroom and onto your bed into the houses of your of your officials and on your people and into your ovens and kneading troughs the frogs will come up on you and your people and all your officials then the lord said to moses verse 5 tell aaron stretch out your hand and your staff Over the streams and canals and ponds, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did the same thing by their secret arts. They also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people. And I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave to you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs, except for those that remain in the Nile. Tomorrow, Pharaoh said, Moses replied, It will be as you say, so that you may know there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will leave you, and your houses, your officials, and your people, they will remain only in the Nile. After Moses and Aaron left, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had brought on Pharaoh. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs died in the houses, in the courtyards, and in the fields. They were piled into heaps, and the land reeked of them. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart. And would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. The Egyptian goddess of fertility was pictured as a frog. They worshipped frogs as symbols of fertility. Professor Lessing, in his commentary, has this statement. It's as though God says, I hear you like frogs. Here are a whole bunch of them. If frogs everywhere... In your beds, in your food, under your feet, wherever you step, is not bad enough. Well, they all died. Imagine the stink. And here's one of those, what were they thinking moments? Because what did Pharaoh's magicians do in response? Make more frogs. That'll help. If they had real power, wouldn't they make the frogs go away? Perhaps we gain some insight into Satan here. In order to confuse and deceive, he often seeks to imitate what God does. But he only brings misery. Here's another puzzle. When Moses says, Sure, Pharaoh, we'll take the frogs away, and we'll even let you set the time when we do so. So you know this is not some natural phenomenon, but this has got at work. So Pharaoh picked the time, and Pharaoh says, tomorrow. Tomorrow? Why not now? I can only attribute it to Pharaoh's stubbornness. When God takes the frogs away, what does Pharaoh do? He hardens his heart, just as God had said he would. Notice it is Pharaoh who hardens his own heart. He stubbornly refuses to listen to the Lord or believe his word. It is only after Pharaoh repeatedly hardens his own heart that we hear that God hardens Pharaoh's heart. It is as though God is saying, This is where you are determined to go, Pharaoh. I will help you get there. Next, Nats, verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground. And throughout the land of Egypt, the dust will become gnats. They did this. And when Aaron stretched out his hand with the staff and struck the dust of the ground, gnats came on people and animals. All the dust throughout the land of Egypt became gnats. But when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not. Since gnats were on people and animals everywhere, the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not listen, just as the Lord had said. Now it's the soil, which the Egyptians also worshiped, which became their curse. Remember, we said that the third plague in each of the groups of three came without warning. Suddenly, unexpectedly, the topsoil, the precious topsoil, became gnats. Gnats everywhere! Perhaps this plague coming without warning is God's response to Pharaoh not keeping his word after the last plague. Remember, Pharaoh had promised to let the Israelites go if the frogs went away. But when the frogs went away, Pharaoh changed his mind. The magicians could turn their staffs into snakes. They could turn water into blood. They could even make more frogs, as though that's what anybody wanted. But with the gnats, they are forced to admit, this God is more powerful than we are. Imagine. Imagine your water supply turned to blood. Imagine frogs everywhere, in your bed, in your food. And then gnats. Every time you open your mouth, you get a mouthful of gnats. Had enough? Ready to raise the white flag? Not Pharaoh. Even though his magicians told him, God is behind these plagues, Pharaoh refused to listen. We wonder, how, how could anyone see what Pharaoh saw and still stubbornly refuse to listen? But then we think of the times we harbored sin in our hearts. Times we chose to ignore what God said because it interfered with our desires. And we recognize that our heart, too, is evil. It is only by the grace of God that we turn to him in repentance. Acknowledge him as our Savior. Verse 20 flies. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh as he goes to the river. And say to him, This is what the Lord says. Let my people go, so that they may worship me. If you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your officials, on your people, and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies. Even the ground will be covered with them. But on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen, where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there, so that you will know that I, the Lord, In this land, I will make a distinction between my people and your people. This sign will occur tomorrow. And the Lord did this. Dense swarms of flies poured into Pharaoh's palace and into the houses of his officials. Throughout Egypt, the land was ruined by flies. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God here in the land. But Moses said, that would not be right. The sacrifices we offer the Lord our God would be detestable to the Egyptians. Remember, the Egyptians worshipped many of these animals that the Israelites would be sacrificing, so there would be be opposition and perhaps riots and even putting people to death. Moses goes on to say, and if we offer sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes, they will will they not stone us? We must take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer our sacrifices to the Lord our God as he commands us. Pharaoh said, I will let you go to offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the wilderness, but you must not go very far. Now pray for me. Moses answered, As soon as I leave you, I will pray to the Lord, and tomorrow the flies will leave Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Only... Let Pharaoh be sure that he does not act deceitfully again by not letting the people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Then Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The flies left Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Not a fly remained. But this time also Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go. I'll admit, just one fly buzzing around my office can drive me crazy. Imagine the whole room filled with flies whizzing about, crawling over everything, crawling over you, flying in your mouth, under every footstep. To make it worse, the Septuagint translation, which was translated by Jewish scholars living in Egypt, indicates that these were biting flies. Something happens in this plague that we are not told about in the previous plagues. The flag, the, I'm sorry, the flies stop before entering the land of Goshen, where the Israelites lived. Imagine what a strange sight that must have been, as though there was some kind of invisible wall stopping this gross swarm of flies. This was a clear sign that, again, these were not strange, but unexpected but explainable natural occurrences. No, these were supernatural acts of divine judgment by the Lord. But we hear that same refrain. After the flies are removed, Pharaoh hardens his heart and does not let the people go. Again, he goes back on his word. Chapter 9, The Plague on Livestock. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Hebrews says, let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go and to continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field, on your horses, donkeys and camels, and on your cattle, sheep and goats. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt so that No animal belonging to the Israelites will die. The Lord set a time and said, Tomorrow the Lord will do this in the land. And the next day the Lord did it. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one animal belonging to the Israelites died. Pharaoh investigated and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died, yet his heart was unyielding. And he would not let the people go. Again, we see this distinction between the Israelites and the Egyptians. With the exception of the eighth plague, the locusts, this will be a pattern we're going to see from now on, including the last plague, the death death of the firstborn. Then God will save the Israelites through the blood of an innocent substitute. We said earlier that the plagues increase in severity. Flies are disgusting and make life miserable. But now there is death. It is a frightening preview of that tenth plague. And through it all, Pharaoh only becomes more callous. We will have much more to say about Pharaoh's stubborn heart next week. But for now, let's heed the warning. We dare not stubbornly turn away from the words of our God. Rather, turn to him and listen. For he is a God of power and he will not be mocked. But even more, he is a God of love. He is the Lord, Yahweh, the God who is faithful to his promises to deliver his people. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.